Hey everyone, welcome to the Film and Games Podcast. This is Jennifer Javornik, and I am so excited to be talking to people this week at the Social Impact Summit in Los Angeles, California. It's been an amazing two days. It's my first time at this conference, and I found the energy to be palpable and uh, people really lit up by their missions. I am very excited today to be speaking to a very special guest in the world of uh, media for good, um, and I'd love her to introduce herself. Well, hi, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. I am Susan Jin Davis, Social Impact Officer for Al Roker Entertainment. The Al Roker. The one and only beloved Al Roker. Beloved for sure. So tell me a little bit about the foundation and what you do for them. So Al Roker Entertainment is a production company, a media company, that is dedicated to doing social impact work in the form of content creation. We work with brands, nonprofits, organizations that are doing good and that are impacting the world in really positive ways. And they need to have a way to talk about that. They want to amplify on their work. They are trusting us to help them in storytelling in this medium. Because as you know, people love to watch films, TV shows, anything that's going to make things real to them, uh, human stories, first-person narratives. So we help to create those storylines with those organizations and companies so that they can really get the word out about all the good things they're doing and how they can activate an audience on the topic they're interested in talking about and what they're doing and really hopefully create a movement so that we can actually work together for, for the good. Yeah. Everybody. Oh, I'm so glad you clarified that. So you're actually a creative production studio. We are. Yes. Cool. So what kinds of uh, talent do you have in house? So what we do as a production company is we typically have a partnership with a corporation or a nonprofit, for example. And one thing that we're talking about here at SIS is our partnership with John Deere, the company. And they've sponsored a documentary called Gaining Ground, The Fight for Black Land. And it is about the fact that black farmers over many years um, have been deprived of their land, have had their land seized, um, have really been victims of discrimination and racism, and therefore trying to reclaim that land. And John Deere is playing a big part in the community in helping that movement. So it's not just about, hey, let's sponsor a movie. And it's a documentary that, by the way, we're, we're presenting at various film festivals. It's not just about the movie. It's about bringing attention to a very serious social issue. And then John Deere is also investing in the community to try to find a solution to that problem. So those are the kinds of stories we love to t- tell the ones that are not just about a time and place at one point in time. It's about how can we create some movement around very serious issues using video, using content to have people understand the humanity of the problem and, like I said, get involved and hopefully be part of the solution. So that's the kind of stuff we do. That's awesome because I think a lot of when I see kind of the media or the the face of a lot of nonprofits. I think most nonprofits are very comfortable with educating, but it's how do you activate people? That's right. I mean, there's a lot of nonprofits doing so much good work. And the issue is, is that 
it's kind of like if a tree falls in a forest and nobody's there to see it fall, it's almost as if it doesn't exist. Right. So we like to illuminate on the good work that the nonprofit's doing through a partnership with a corporate brand. So a lot of corporations, a lot of businesses are supporting nonprofits. They, they themselves are doing a lot of good things in the community, but maybe people don't know about it, um, whether it's their employees, customers, the public. Nowadays, investors, shareholders are interested in what are corporations doing for good. They want to be able to buy and invest in ethical corporations, right? So, so how does a brand let the world know what they're doing? We offer that product. We offer that kind of work that will help to amplify on the good they're doing. If it's a nonprofit that they're doing this good work through, it also helps the nonprofit because it gets the word out about the good work the nonprofit's doing. And I think that what happens when we know about these stories is that we want to get personally involved. We realize that we as individuals can get involved and we in our businesses can also get involved. And it's kind of like catching fire. It's like it starts this like movement of people rallying around a cause. Right. So I think that's exciting work to us. It's not just about making a movie or a TV show right. or a piece and you of turn it off and then you move on. Yeah, you move on. This is a living, breathing thing that really starts the ball rolling towards true social impact work. Yeah, that's incredible. You talked a little about how one of the strategies that you use to activate people, the main strategy is storytelling. Um, we also think about, you know, in the games world, we're always looking for, because we make games for impact, many times we are also looking to activate people. We want them to play the game and feel different or know more or something to go do. So one, I know storytelling is one of your main um, strategies to kind of illuminate uh, the cause. What What are some of the details that goes into it? Or how do you think about how to craft the story to make an impact? Well, you start with who you're working with, right? And it's always the case in our experience that the company or the nonprofit has so much good they're doing. And it's all about like what part of what they're doing do we want to uncover through human stories? So for example, there's uh, we did a, a film called life aid, which is a story about a nonprofit that is dealing with trauma and PTSD among military and frontline employees. So whether they're law enforcement, fire, you know, and the fact that there is so much trauma that is happening among this population um, and people don't know that that's an, that exists at all, that that's even an issue, that there's a high suicide rate among those people. And we go to the actual people who are willing to talk about it and humanize that problem that's what we like to do. So, so we start with what the company or the nonprofit's doing, and then we say, what human stories are there that we can actually bring to the forefront? Because I think at the end of the day, it's about connection. If you feel a human connection to a cause, when you understand a person or people are affected by that social issue, that draws you in, that inspires you, that makes you want to do something about that problem that wants you, that makes you want to get involved. And so we start with the problem that people are trying to solve. And then we find the human stories to make those connections. And through those connections, we think that we can create change. 
because people see the humanity and the human impact. So that's really kind of what we do. So I'm realizing as you're speaking, we, we have similar business models in that we are both for-profit entities that are mission-driven, that, you know, I suspect you would not take a project if it was, I don't know, encouraging, uh, I don't know, tobacco use or something. I don't know. Um, so it's interesting. This conversation has come up for me several times at this conference is kind of this space of for-profit mission-based social good. What are your thoughts? What comes to mind when you think about the space, that particular space? Cause it's different. It is different. Um, I think it's a really important way that companies for-profit companies can do meaningful work in the social impact space. I think there's a lot of reasons for it. The first is that I think that for brands, people who have been surveyed have said that they want a personal connection to the companies that they're buying from. If they have that personal connection, that makes them more loyal to the brand. That makes them more likely to want to stay with the brand and continue to buy from the brand. Employees that work for these companies, when they know that the company is doing all this good, they're going to be more loyal to the company as well. They're going to feel more inspired when they come to work every day. Uh, customers, they're starting to, to vote with their wallets, particularly millennials and Gen Z, which sure. by the way are like 50% of the workforce now. They're like, you know what? We're not going to work for a company unless they have shared values with us. The public is expecting companies to be part of solutions, um, whether it's climate change, whether it's you know social equity, economic equity, and, and so forth and so on. So I think for-profit companies, it, it's a must-do. It's not just a, if you want to do, someday do. You know, it, it's something that I think the public requires, customers and employees require. And, and that's why you're seeing so many more companies sort of trying to figure out, like, how can we use our company for good? And once they get to that point, then we can take their stories and we can help propel them forward. And that's, that's helpful for their brand. But more importantly, that's helpful towards solving these problems. Yeah. I think that's what everybody wants. So typically in your production company, how many projects do you take on at once and how long do they last? It really depends. I mean, it could be a number. I mean, some of these projects do take a while for us to be able to take a film crew out capture those moments. So could any, it could be anywhere because, because the content that we create could be anything from a documentary that's a couple hours in, in length to an hour, to a small piece, to, to, um, a sizzle, to, uh, it, it takes a lot of different forms to a podcast, yep. maybe a video podcast. So it depends on what the client wants. Yep. And then depending on that, that determines the timeline. It also determines, it also is really dependent on does the client want an ongoing relationship? Because it's not like the conversation ends after we, like I said, after we stop filming, you know, is there a need for the brand to continue to, to use this form of communication to talk about what they're doing, to amplify on them, their brand, to market their brand. So it takes all different forms, takes all different types of times, time periods. It just really depends on what Makes we're sense. doing. Our yeah. business is the same. Yeah, you we probably have a, a game lot in common. That's like five hours of gameplay, or sometimes it's fifteen minutes of gameplay, and those are different size budgets to do different things. That's right, and I think the thing that's really great about this, apart from what we do, is that imagine a scenario where we do a documentary on a social issue, 
that documentary then can be broken into many pieces and then that, that company can use it in many different ways. There's that piece. But there's also the one that like, what if that film turned into part of a curriculum? What if that literally becomes a form of education, ongoing education for young people or for the public? Um, what if that becomes a program that is going to help solve that issue? And this, this film, this piece of media, this content can be used to continue a conversation, continue a class, a course, um, an activation of, a, of nonprofits around that. You know, it can be a way to unify a lot of nonprofits around the same issues that they're all faced with. There's so many ways to use this content. So to me, it's just the beginning. The storytelling is just the beginning of what that movement can be in social impact. I have to agree. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it, I mean, the last few years, I don't know, last 10 years. I mean, it's amazing that um, there's clearly an appetite for a high quality moving documentary um, in the mainstream now, you know, which is, I think, you know, probably 30, 40 years that was happening, but it wasn't as mainstream as it is now, which I think is a positive sign. Same thing with games. There's always, everyone likes the, the, you know, lock'em, sock'em games and shooting games, and those will always exist. But we are seeing that people have an appetite for different kinds of experiences. Yeah. I mean, I think that, that, you know, the, the beautiful thing about media and entertainment is that it can be anything from wanting to escape and to go somewhere you've never been to learning about something that you've never heard about before Mm -hmm. to making you feel like you belong because you're seeing things that are stories that resonate with you in your life experience to creating a desire on your part to do something, Mm -hmm. whether it's like, in my case, I, I'm now more or less vegan, although I do eat fish, you know, that was very much affected by some of the documentaries that I saw primarily during shutdown that made me think differently about the world and about my effect and my contribution to climate change or, you know, just to being a better human being. Right. I mean, so so there's all of these experiences that are, are unleashed through media and entertainment. And I think the same for you as well. And I think that's only a good thing. I agree. You know, because it can create behavior change. For sure. And people wanting to contribute. I think, too, what we do, too, is so different. There's so much content, content, content. There's so much content everywhere. But if you're able to make an investment to make a meaningful piece of content that actually feels like, yeah, I left different than when I started. That's a really special thing to be able to put into the world. Yeah. I think the other thing too, that's kind of cool is it makes you feel as an individual, like when you look at the the news, when you think about all the big problems in the world, you're like, I'm just one person. I feel overwhelmed. I can't do a thing. Right. So sometimes there's a paralysis that says, oh, I wish I could, but I know I can't. I'm just me. I'm small in this whole universe of giant problems and giant challenges. And I think what, what you do, what, what we do is say, you know what, it only takes one person and, and it's also each person's responsibility to be part of the solution and collectively, therefore collectively, we can all do good. And, and I think it, it shows sort of a hopefulness about solving problems. That's what we want to do. We want to say, first of all, did you know this story existed? Did you know that there are human beings that are in this situation? Now that you know that, do you realize 
what you can do as a person who knows now and a person that doesn't want to tolerate this situation anymore, join us. There's a bunch of people like you that are ready, ready to get unleashed into the world. We're going to help you connect to that bigger world community around that issue. That's what I see happening over and over again when people watch really great content. Mm-hmm. That's why social impact co- storytelling in this way is really important. How did you get into this work? Well, I mean, I think that being a child of immigrants, I've always been doing social impact work since I'm a child, right? Um, helping my family get settled in this country, helping be their voice and their advocate in a, in a sometimes hostile world. So sort of understanding the power of being an advocate and being a social Im- impact um, you know, soldier, warrior, right? So I think it was kind of my lived experiences. And then just really loving TV and movies and, and how much they stirred in me, how much they, they hit me in the heart, how much they inspired me, how much they made me get confidence in myself when I saw somebody that looked like me on the screen, which is far more the case today than it was when I was growing up. So, so I kind of married these two things saying, wait a minute, wouldn't it be great if I could do good things using something I really love, media and entertainment, as a vehicle for doing that good? Because I know how powerful that is. I know how, how much that can create inspiration and action. I'd love to do that. And so being able to work for Al Roker, and who, by the way, is, is an amazing human being and is a climate change advocate and is looking to use his platform for good, I, how could I say no to that? I mean, it's kind of the dream job. I mean, it marries all the things that I stand for and that, that I want to do and dream about to do, dream about doing. I was going to ask you about Al Roker. What is he like in real life? You know, he, he's just first and foremost, a great human being. That comes through. A lot of times people will be one way on TV and may not be exactly that off TV. And what, what I love about Al is that what you see is what you get. He is a kind, giving and caring human being. And he happens to have a great platform and he wants to use that platform for good. And so what I'm really proud of and honored to do is, is to try to help him do that. And because essentially he's trying to enable other organizations, other causes to do more and to be known and to be able to make a bigger impact through his platform and through the productions that we do. So I, I have a huge amount of respect for him. Um, but, but like I said, he's just a great human being. And wouldn't it be great if we could all just be with great human beings all the time when we're at work? Absolutely. That's one of my goals. I, I can check that goal, the goal off the list because that makes the work all the more um, joyful. Yep, I agree. Right? I agree. I don't think I realized how important, like, really, like, liking and, dare I say, loving the people you work with is really transforms the work experience. And I don't think I realized, at least for me, like, until I was in it, like, how important having the work that I do align with my purpose and my values. Like, I don't think now I could go back to work for a company that, I don't know, made widgets or... You know, I'm in tech, so I could I I think about like 
I don't know, could I go work for a company that specializes in automated document signatures? And I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> Let's not do that. Yeah, I don't think I can. I mean, I think it's a great, it's a privilege in, in our life. I have so much gratitude be, to be able to focus on meaningful work, you know, because it's it's going to work as hard and, and being able to go and do something where there's meaning and, you know, you're part of an organization doing social good. It's it's motivating in itself, I think. Yeah, and I, I always hated when people said, well, you know, this is just business, you know, like it's not personal, like something bad happens at work. It's just business. It's like, well, I'm a person that just got affected by that business issue. Like that's not an excuse for having an environment that just isn't kind and isn't, doesn't really care about whether it makes a good impact on the world. Right. Like, like what, what's that supposed to mean? I agree. And and so I think in the first instance, I want to work at a place where I can actually be seen as a human being that has a story and therefore has an opportunity to contribute to this job because of who I am. And then on top of it, if you also get to do actual work, that's going to socially impact the world in a good way, that's like, like double bonus. Yeah. Right. But in the first instance, you have to be able to be humans in your workplace in order to do that human work. Right. I mean, you have to mirror what you're doing outside with what you're doing inside. I think that's really critical. I don't know if it's in the same in your business, but one of, you know, at, at we, our company mostly gets hired by other organizations to make games that they then take to market. So like yours, but sometimes in our history, uh, we've gotten a grant or something to build something that's our own IP and that we're pitching to it. And something I learned early in the video game industry is, uh, you know, in the video game industry, they're called publishers who will, you know, pony up or, or marry or create a partnership with a studio. The studio makes the games, but the publisher kind of takes it to market and puts their weight behind the publicity and the, uh, yeah, the marketing, the PR, and, and really tries to get your game sold. So, but one of the questions that kept coming up early when I started pitching publishers was they just wanted to know how people felt in the studio about the game. Um, They would ask questions about like, why are you excited about whatever the content was? And they wanted to hear the story. And what I finally realized over time is that they realized that really inspiring games come out from teams who are passionate about what they're building. Love that. I love that. The passion, right? That, that the employees care about what they're doing and how that experience will be yep. with that game, right? Yeah. Yep. So because everyone that. can just go to work, pound out a game and ship it. Right. But they want, they want to know there's juice in it, you know? I think that makes a difference. I think it, well, it does make a difference. In both of our, both of our workplaces, doesn't that make a huge difference? Yeah. That you have a motivated group of employees that aren't just technically good at making games because you can find a lot of people that are technically good at things, but they're excited about what they're doing. They're passionate. They're therefore committed. And guess what? I think they're going to do better quality, higher quality work when they are passionate and when they care. Oh right? yeah. It's just and human. It, it really is. And, and that's why like when, when people talk mm-hmm. about entertainment, including what I do and you do as it's just a game, it's just a movie. Well, is it? Is it really just that? Because if it makes somebody feel good, 
because they're escaping or good because they're laughing their butts off or or having an emotional moment and, and, and shedding a tear or even angry and emotional because they can't believe that this kind of crap is happening. That's not just a game. That's not just a TV or movie program, right? That's something we're tapping into something. And I think when we can tap into that emotion and that connection, the next step is, is to mobilize that Uh in some form or fashion. That's the power of that medium, right? That's why we not, we need to be doing more of this. Yeah, I totally agree. Sue, I have a last question to wrap up. Sure. Uh, What's your wish for the world today? That is a really hard question to answer, but I think just in a very big, general, global sense, I really believe that we need to be dedicated to humanizing each other, seeing each other as human beings. I think we're in a world right now of great divide where people are making a lot of assumptions about other people, whether it's on the basis of race, ethnicity, gender, religion, uh, sexual orientation, and so forth and so on. There's so many things that divide us. And we are not going to be able to maintain that level of division if we actually see that at the that behind that label is an actual person. And if we begin to see each other as people, we'll begin to be open enough to understand what that person's story is and connect to that person in a way that will make us compassionate and caring about them. And we won't be able to as easily demonize them and therefore discriminate against them or be biased against them or or have other reasons to be disconnected from them. We'll actually be more invested in them personally. And that with that, I think the barriers will come down between us and we'll actually be able to work towards equity, quality, justice, um, and solving a lot of these problems that are really not solvable unless we understand the human impact of those problems. So I think humanization is the thing that I really hope that that we can do more of. And I think I'd have a lot more hope in the world if we could achieve that. That was very well put. I agree. Thank you. Thank you, Sue. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Filament Games podcast. If you'd like to hear more about games, game-based learning, and what's happening at our studio, subscribe today on iTunes or Stitcher. And be sure to visit us at our website, filamentgames.com.